Coming up this week on Breaking Badness, today we discuss all the world's a multi-stage, new stealthy malware targeting Linux. Next up, pass key to my heart, what you need to know about Apple's passwordless rollout. And our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 131, recorded on September 12th, 2022. I'm your co-host, Callie Metalhead Fensel. With me, co-host Tim, I spy with my little PKI helming. And last but not least, welcome back to Taylor, issue obfuscation, espouse elucidation, Wilkes Pierce. Did I get that? I got it. Taylor, that's just mean, man. That was so mean. Uh, okay. He saved he saved that up over over his it took time. Me off. Two weeks of PTO to figure that one out. <laughs> we keep, we should keep this in here. Yes. Before we started recording, I I saw that and I told Taylor to go back on PTO. I'm so mad at you. <laughs> no, but and, seriously, and then he's welcome. He's going to lie to us later on. I know I he's know. the designated deceiver. I don't know. Oh, Taylor, you weren't here when we de- we were decided we could say something like uh, the the liar for every show is the designated deceiver because it's mm. got that alliteration. We do go for that here on this podcast. Yes, we sure now, do. If we, if we didn't lean too heavily on the alliterative aspect, we could also talk this season uh, or this part of the year about ineligible deceivers. <laughs> Well, welcome back, Taylor. Uh, you've been gone for quite some time. You've been on the road. You've been on PTO. How are things? I've been everywhere. You've been everywhere, <laughs> man. <laughs> Ooh, that's catchy. It is It is good to be back. Yeah, someone should make a song like that. You've been to Black Cat Narsa and <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I'm like, what are the other shows? Yeah, a little more recently, I know. Um, Sans de Fear. <laughs> Sans de Fear, to fear. I think I think this is the crowd that could do that for sure. So um, especially you know next week we're getting uh, the lovely Kelsey LaBelle back. I think that's you know right up her alley. <laughs> so okay. yeah, she'll play guitar for it. <laughs> the guitar. <laughs> yeah, that'll be perfect. Well. We should talk about today's articles. Uh, so, the first. So Taylor, you're up first. Uh, so the in this first article, uh, AT and T's Alien Labs discovered a new malware targeting endpoints and IoT devices running Linux operating systems. So, um, according to this article, Linux is having quite a year, aren't they? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what's been going on? Is, is this the year, year of, of the Linux desktop? desktop? <laughs> yes, this is it. it is. This is it. Oh, it's finally it. here. It's I don't believe it. Pop the champagne. <laughs> Wait, does this mean this is also the year of IPv6? No, don't get crazy, Tim. Come on now. IPv6 <laughs> is always two years oh, away from being two years away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so I, I chose this article from, uh, from our, our friends over at Alien Labs. Uh, detecting a new stealthy malware family targeting Linux. Uh, they're calling this one uh, Shikitega. 
Uh, it is a multi-stage infection chain where all the modules respond to a part of the payload and download and execute the next part. Uh, so you can get full control and of course, right now, the main thing that they're doing is dropping a cryptocurrency miner on there because why wouldn't they? <laughs> so is that what makes it different from other malware targeting Linux previously or is there anything no, else? No, that actually makes it very much Ooh. the same. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, you know, I think there's some interest, you know, there's nothing that makes this uh, like a, a holy grail or silver bullet of, of Linux malware it is yet another one of, of these things that we're seeing. This one is clever, um, you know, in the way that it, you know, likes to keep everything in memory. So you're not going to get a whole lot on the disk, uh, how it uh, does some fun uh, polymorphic encoding to make it very difficult to detect by your standard AV packages. So if you're doing signature-based detection, this is going to just kind of sail right on through. And one of you know the one of the other clever things here, using just full-on legitimate cloud services to store its command and control stuff for C2. So very clever in in how it runs in memory, hides, uh, and then also using kind of commonly used stuff for command and control, which is makes it difficult for folks on the defender side to uh, pick that out across the rest of their traffic. Gotcha. So, um, so Shiki Tega, which is pretty fun to say, um, mm -hmm. uses an infection chain in multiple layers. Um, can you discuss what, what these layers are in, in detail for our listeners? Yeah. So like the, the, so initially, so you get a very small file, a small ELF file, uh, only 370 bytes. So very small, uh, you know, very thin. Uh, and then it will use the polymor polymorphic the Shikara Genai. Genai, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, uh, which is an encoder from one of the more popular ones from Metasploit. So there's a lot of uh, like off-the-shelf stuff happening in here as well. So anytime you see Metasploit, um, you see swag, stuff we all get. <laughs> Uh, but this, uh, you know, some fun looping in, in encoding and uh, decoding uh, to find the final shellcode payload there. Um, and then uh, it starts to execute that. And then it, uh, it does some fun syscalls and super thin dropper code. Um, just, you know, again, it's kind of a less is more approach uh, where it does uh, system function calls using interrupts. Uh, and then additional uh, shell commands off of the command and control server, uh, and then run stuff in memory, um, again, making it tricky to discover, and then it pulls another ELF file uh, that is also encoded with the, the same encoding, uh, the polymorphic stuff, making it very difficult to kind of pin down any, one, any single version of this. Again, they're all going to look very different, um, and then eventually they start to uh, drop their uh, crypto miner and their persistence payloads. I don't know if you have any idea how much I wanted to entitle this episode "Elf on the Shelf." Oh! But and I, I still can, I still have that ability, but I just couldn't do it out of season. Is the problem. you know that's the thing is I think that they're, they're going to write another version of this in November and then oh. we can. And then it'll be <laughs> relevant, but I was just like, well, oh, you know, the, the the decorations have been at Costco for already about six weeks, so I know, know. everybody else is, is doing 
holiday creep. I know. So I, too. You know what? It's not too late. I could do that because oh, it's. I think the crafting community is the only one that can do it because you have to do it ahead of time. You gotta, yeah, you got to get going early. You got you got to do it, but right, you know, like if you're just buying stuff, like you can wait. But oh, I can't. I like when I was you know reading through this article, I'm just like Elf on the Shelf. It's perfect. But then, you know, to Tim's point, I'm like, it'll come back up again, right? <laughs> probably yeah. closer uh, to you know on i mean it, this one is interesting it uses a couple of uh kind of known cves to escalate privilege and get root on both red hat or ubuntu so that's kind of clever as well so a lot of clever stuff going on here so i'm just hoping you know on on november 1st we'll start yeah. to hear the mariah carey song and i will use elf on the shelf <laughs> as <laughs> as my name for articles that we write about on our website i mean as um, it comes to holiday creep i i i someone who you know lives in the around a ton of breweries I, I get pumpkin beer creep we get that where like the pumpkin beers start to show up in like early august i can't yes that. i like how you very subtly like mentioned how cool you are taylor <laughs> no 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 look these things have all popped up after i moved here See, I'm not i live around me. breweries <laughs> yeah. that's cool Sweet back The pumpkin bread. spice latte is creeping too, isn't it? Yes. I have had one July. already. Oh, really? Yeah. Are the pumpkins hitting this year? Yeah, it's 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 hitting real good, you know, the way that I want it to. So yeah. I also do like a cinnamon latte. It tastes like Christmas in a cup. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> back back we'll to save the... that for November. <laughs> well, back to the matter at hand. Um so the idea of persistence here was was another aspect with this particular malware. So can can you discuss you know how that is achieved? Yeah. So once they have uh, selected their uh, their exploit du jour, their Linux vulnerability du jour for the the type of box that they're on, uh, it will then download and execute five shell scripts uh, and then lives in the system by setting four cron tabs. Uh, so some some jobs to like check and then rerun periodically, right? So there's two for the current log, current user it's logged in and another two for the root user. Uh, and then uh, it, it, <laughs> we would check to see if CronTab was on there and we'll install that if it's not and then start that service. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, once, once it's there, uh, it will check periodically to make sure that it is on the system and um, get its crypto miner on there. Thanks, Taylor. So... So we know this is targeting Linux operating systems, but mm -hmm. is is there any is there an industry in particular that that uses Linux above you know other operating systems? Like I'm just trying to you know see like is there everybody every oh, you know what <laughs> well, only all of them only uh, you know okay. it says hey it tar it targets like IoT devices and things like that yeah. which certainly could I, I think the concern whenever you hear IoT or whatever the concern there is like you know, stuff that just gets pushed out in the wild and never gets an update for it. So, gotcha. um, you know, or updates cease after a couple of years, but the the internet, the connected devices, the things that are connected to the internet, they don't get disconnected. If they're not broken, they just keep running. And so, you know, you end up with a, a lot of stuff that's running out of date. OSs or unpatched OSs um, that, that make for um, a lot of... Um, 
kind of fertile breeding ground for for these types of uh, bits of malware. A lot of oh. those things are not exactly known for having a ton of compute horsepower. I mean, those are going to be some slow no. miners. You know, this is mining gold with dental tools. <laughs> Essentially now, right? So I mean, that's the payload that they're running right now is uh, is that is XM rig. So it's a popular miner from Monero, um, which is a cryptocurrency. I, I know nothing but, about. Yeah, you're right. They, uh, they, they can put... <laughs> It's kind of like the paramedics right. keeping a line open with uh, just some saline or whatever. They're actually going to put something else on later now that they've established their foothold. Yeah, later. But, wh but while they're waiting, they might as well make, um, I don't know, Monero out of, uh, out of lemons. <laughs> All right, Taylor. Well, what kind of mitigations is AT&T Alien Labs recommending for this? Uh, it is all the very st standard stuff, which is keep your software up to date with security updates and install antivirus or EDR on your endpoints and then use a backup system to backup server files. Again, all of the kind of recommended best practices that, that folks ought to be doing. Um, the tricky part is that, you know, since it's polymorphic, that the signature stuff is not going to work particularly well on it. Um, you know, since it is using <coughs> basic things like Cloudflare uh, for... Uh, you know the command and control it's difficult to suss that out from the rest of your traffic um so yeah you know i think edr for for sure could pick some of this stuff up if it's if it's not deactivated by this thing um, but yeah uh, the standard stuff applies patch uh and look for oddities all right well well i think that leads us into our hoodie rating um if you are a new listener and you're not familiar um, with the format of our show, at the end of um, each discussion, we give um, our, our articles a hoodie rating on a scale of 1 to 10. Uh, if you want to picture the typical hacker wearing their hoodie uh, with the hood pulled over their head, um, 1 being not so bad at all, and then 10 being, oh my gosh, this is, you know, apocalypse now, baby. Uh, so, t so Taylor, you know, given everything that we know so far... What would you give this this article or this this story in particular, rather? Yeah, I mean, this little bit of malware. Um, yes. It's certainly interesting insofar as how it handles obfuscation, how uh, even, you know, its C2 stuff is uh, hiding in the noise as well. Um, so that that certainly is concerning. I guess it's always tricky when you get this, like, hey, we found some new malware. Uh, because the initial access stuff is never really given out here. So it's tough to ascertain like, oh, do we have some really clever new way of getting this on to various endpoints? Or is it all kind of the same stuff that we've always seen? Meaning is it, you know, can they propagate this wide and quick? Or is it more just like, hey, another tool in the tool belt for the adversary? Um, without that, it's tough to tell. It kind of probably seems I'd lean more towards the latter. I don't, I you know, I'd say... Let's go four and a half hoodies and then just an extra, just um, extra, like extra long drawstring on one side. So just over four and a half hoodies. Ooh, interesting. That, that drawstring is going to get uh, stuck Pulled on down. stuff in the washer. Yep. It's going to be terrible. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tim, how about you? What do you think? Uh, having heard all of the information, uh, how are you voting? Well, first of all, you know, this is like one of those immutable laws of nature in the universe. No matter how long that drawstring is, 
it's still going to get stuck in the hood where you can't pull it out. That always happens, right? It's either that yeah, or it goes absolutely. straight down the dryer vent. It's always one <laughs> or the other. But I think you hit on something really important, Taylor, which is that what is the initial uh, access vector when we're talking about these IoT devices? That's not where phishing is likely to be the vector, right? Because most of these are going to be unattended devices just sitting there. So uh, the question yeah. is, are they phoning home? Uh, yeah. It's one of those one of those two things, right? Either they're phoning home to something to pull down whatever it is that they're supposed to pull down, or they have a service listening on some port, and you know people are going to be able to get into that service and then get that put onto these devices. Um, and without our knowing which of those it is, it's hard to assess. Uh, and also, as one of our colleagues is fond of saying, uh, he tells this joke, if little girls are made of sugar and spice and everything nice, and little boys are made of snips and snails and puppy dog tails, what is the internet made of? T Taylor, do you know the answer? Uh, Mostly Linux servers. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly Linux servers. <laughs> so that being the case, you know, the footprint for this is potentially quite vast, but it's shrouded in mystery right now. I was hovering around a similar, I, I was trying to decide actually, funnily enough, I was trying to decide between four and five, but I'm not gonna say the same thing you did because that would be unimaginative on my part. So I'll go with five and five hoodies and in your honor, I'll add a little something extra also. So five yep. hoodies plus random extra grommets, like five or six. Hey, hoodies. maybe the number of grommets changes every time you look at it. Oh man, I think that's probably right. <laughs> polymorphic grommets. <laughs> These grommets that go nowhere. Where we're going, we don't need grommets. Well, very cool. Th thank you, uh, Taylor, for, for coming back. It was great to have you. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Tim Helming about uh, this new passwordless Apple rollout. Uh, Breaking Badness, we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Breaking Badness. Uh, in this next segment, we are going to be talking to Tim Helming about Passkey to My Heart. So with the promise of ending the use of password-based logins, uh, it's been broached for years, and Apple is making strides toward that goal with the launch of iOS 16 on September 12th, which is today, our recording day. Um, so Tim, like, maybe let's start with just a brief history, uh, if you can, uh, with the problems of passwords. Oh my, oh my. Okay, well, this goes back to ancient Rome, where Caesar I said invented the Caesar cipher Oh, this will be brief compared to what it could be. So Caesar invented the Caesar cipher where the letters are offset by some amount. And while it seemed like a great idea at the time, it became apparent after not so long that it was relatively easy to crack, especially if you held a knife at just the right angle at the throat of the one who knew the password. We really haven't evolved that far, except the knife is now called social engineering. But that's only one aspect of the problems with passwords. There are still lots of other ones. The most popular passwords are still ones like one, two, three, four, five, six, and password. Thanks, Tim. Now I gotta change my password, other... Tim. You told me. Yeah, I know, Tim. Password. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, just change it to two, three, four, five, six, seven, and nobody's it's about to be fall 2022 exclamation. They're never gonna yeah. get it. 
Uh, well, you know, some folks will combine those like password one, two, three, four, five, six, because now look how long that is, or, you know, maybe password with a capital P and the number zero for the O. Yeah. So we know That's the listeners clever. to Breaking Badness don't do that, except on their honeypots. But anyway, passwords abound that if they weren't so guessable in the first place are trivially easy to derive with a dictionary attack. And then there are the practical issues. People forget passwords. People write passwords on whiteboards and then go on international television with said whiteboards in the visible background. Shall I go on? No, no, no. You said brief. Anyway, they're problematic. And that hasn't changed over the whole history of passwords in one way or another. Right. And, and even if you don't use something like password or one, two, three, four, five, six, it's, it's pretty easy probably. I, I mean, I haven't tried it. I'm not that type of person, but it, you know, people share, you know, their pets names and their children's names and it's pretty easy to guess probably. Right. Well, yeah. And by the way, as an aside, everybody should lie. And I think Daniel's talked about this too, and you, you can have so much fun, you know, lie about your first pet's name or your pet's first name. If they have multiple lie about the first school you went to or your second grade teacher's name and for heaven's sake your mother's maiden name well unless it's one of those government forms where you really kind of have to tell the truth about that one but lie about all of those things and have a good time with it make up really crazy answers what was your first yes. car it was a frankenthaler 89000 <laughs> you can rewrite history yes you can you can win in this history of that's right you know creating a new password it's like yes my first car was the thing and <laughs> there was a vw thing that was down the block from me when i was in high school and we used to always lift it up and move it to different parking places <laughs> on the block at night i'm sure they loved that oh absolutely <laughs> Well, anyway, so now we see how problematic this is. So Apple is implementing its passwordless feature known as passkeys. So what exactly are those? Well, to cut to the chase, they are uh, an implementation of PKI, public key infrastructure. And this is uh, technology that's existed in one form or another for a couple of decades now where an authentication is completed by the relationship between a public key, which sits on a server in a public place and anyone can get access to it, and a private key, which is held confidentially by the user. Only with both keys can encrypted data be decrypted and the authentication be considered to be complete. Um, possession of a private key when the circumstances under which the private key was generated are controlled, that's a form of authentication. And some of you who have AWS instances that use Amazon Linux probably have seen this where by default, when you set up that instance, uh, the way you authenticate it to it uh, is via a PEM file, a PKI implementation. You authenticate with your private key. You can set it up for passwords, but it defaults to PKI like that. So some of you probably will have done that. Anyway, uh, that authentication is strengthened by possession of a specific device that holds that private key. So the way this works is that when you go to sign into a service with the, these latest versions of Mac OS and iOS, you're prompted to create a passkey. And the generation of that makes 
use of further authentication, such as face ID or touch ID, or uh, and even though the article didn't say this, uh, probably I suspect you can do it with a plain old password to initially generate that uh, private key. But anyway, once you've created your pass key, as long as you're in possession of your Apple devices, uh, you then have a passwordless way to access different resources. That's really interesting. So, uh, so was it Apple that created this concept? No, they're the ones that get the credit uh, here for a mass implementation of them that should be relatively seamless for most users to implement. For many people who don't study these things, of course, uh, that will be functionally equivalent to Apple inventing it, but uh, it's the underlying concept has been around for a while. There is an industry consortium called the FIDO Alliance, where FIDO stands for Fast ID Online. It's been working with various partners to promote moving beyond the password for several years now. And this uh, move by Apple is a big boost for FIDO Alliance's work. Interesting. Just seeing FIDO just makes me think uh, how I can do some other puns here, like sit Ubuntu sit. If you're a fan of. Oh, yes. Forget uh, that. Was it was yeah. it family ties? Family it, uh, ties. It's family. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, I was so worried. I was not. <laughs> I was so worried. I'm like, oh, no, I started saying it. I'm not going to get it. And I'm so proud of myself for getting it. <laughs> so that's something to consider later for other pieces. Does um, Fido think we should bury our pass keys in the yard? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, so, so how do exactly, does this enhance security? So, you know, be like reading this article, you know, stating that a passkey can be shared through airdrop. It, it kind of feels like it could be just about as risky as a password. Well, so it's definitely the case that it's not a panacea. Let's be clear about that. Uh, among other things, because it doesn't solve the problem of a malicious actor with physical access to the protected device. Now, at some level, that's not going to be much of a solvable problem ever, except the, uh, I don't know, some very cumbersome continuous authentication concepts that aren't likely to be mainstream anytime soon, if ever. Like, I'm just imagining uh, like fingerprint readers on every key of the keyboard. No. Anyway, uh, but it's not as bad as like everyone within airdrop reach of you can now have your passwords either, because uh, that's something you can control directly rather than just happening indiscriminately. Um, the big advantages here are that these private keys are long blobs of random text that you're not going to just guess and type out a private key in any type of PKI. Well, not with that attitude, you can't. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> and you can't. Uh, choose a lame private key that everyone else can guess. Yeah. So, okay. So anyway, PKI, good stuff. It's proven to be quite durable and practical. Basically, this technology can help solve one of the major problems with passwords, which is poor password practices by humans. I should have said poor password practices by people because that would have been more alliterative. But anyway. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So... One key is saved on your device and not the server, as in, as you know, I'm reading. Um, that's the difference between a pass key and the password. Then um, the password is always shared to the server. No, uh, 
It turns out uh, that passwords themselves are not typically shared with the server. Uh, that would be a lame implementation, just screaming for hackage. So no, rather a hash of the password is on the server. Problem is that hash is also served out when a malicious actor guesses or obtains the, uh, the, that bad password. So the net effect is kind of similar to what you're describing, but it's actually not at all the same thing. The reason the existing process is better than just storing passwords on the server, this is kind of an aside, but is, uh, if the server is compromised, you're not gonna get a dump of the passwords themselves. You get a dump of these hashes, uh, which are useless uh, to you as the bad actor without the corresponding passwords. But the reason that these breaches matter is, uh, and they're still bad, is the attacker then has the ability to run a dictionary or other brute force attack against those hashes to retrieve the passwords. And they have, you know, kind of time to do that if they're in possession of those dumped hashes. But with these pass keys, if the public keys are compromised, well, you know, they're public. So there's nothing the attacker can do with those without also having the corresponding private keys. Got it. All right. So let's say I have an iPhone, but I use a Windows laptop. Does that mean I can't use the passkey between the devices? No, that means you can't use your laptop. I mean, if you ever tried to use it, no, I jest. <laughs> Actually, Windows, Windows, late Windows, latest Windows is pretty good. But no, remember the FIDO Alliance? They are platform independent. So while the public keys reside on Apple servers, these passkeys uh, can be used on other devices. The typical way that that would happen is that the challenge sent to your device is in the form of a QR code that you scan with your phone. Your phone then communicates to your Windows laptop via Bluetooth, not over the TCP IP network. That's really important because it means the attacker can't just hijack that QR code and then import your pass keys remotely. The possession of your phone unlocked is critical to making the cross-platform model work. Okay, that makes sense. Um, how do you think this implementation will be received? I think it's going to give this technology a good launch because a lot of people do recognize that passwords are a big hassle, even if they don't care about the security flaws with them. But uh, here's the major caveat. The online services that you might authenticate to with these passkeys have to support them too, and that won't happen overnight. But this being a feature of Apple's latest operating systems will create a lot of pressure on services and apps to support the passkeys. A lot more pressure than, say, Linux, sorry, or Solaris implementations or Amiga. Uh, anyway, uh, let me add, by the way, that at least one password manager, Dashlane, uh, has announced support, and I'm sure others will follow uh, in short order. Excellent. All right. So... Having all this information, I think we're ready for a hoodie rating. Although, I don't know about you, Tim. Do you think this is more of a goodie rating situation? Oh, I absolutely do. I um, The only thing that would make it a hoodie situation is if we found out about a compromise to this that was widespread and, and problematic. And I think that's fairly unlikely, at least in the near term. No, this is, this is goodies. Um, Look, we're not going to get rid of passwords overnight, um, even as this picks up steam, but it is definitely an improvement. And uh, I think I'm going to weigh in my goodie rating, I'm going to weigh the, the value of the pure technology itself with also the likelihood of 
quick adoption and compatibility and everything. And I will give this a, I'm going to give it mm, six goodies, six goodies, six warm yes. chocolate chip goodies with a little bit of cinnamon <laughs> in them, like Mexican chocolate. Oh, mm. that sounds delicious. Um, and then for those of you who might not know, uh, like we said, um, the hoodie rating is, you know, how bad something is. But the goodie rating, um, as you could probably guess um, by with chocolate chip cookies on the table, um, is, you know, how, how good is this story? What, what is this adding to uh, the InfoSec world rather than taking away from it? So, um, so we've got six goodies in the form of cookies. Um, Taylor, what can you offer that might be better than cookies? <laughs> well, I think it's still cookies, but for, for me, uh, I, I'm a, I, I, I love this. I, I'm, I'm eight goodies. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm getting all the, the chocolate chips. I'm putting a little sea salt on top of there. Yes. Like, you know, we're getting it fresh out of the oven. Um, yeah, no, I, I think this is great. I think, uh, the tricky part will be to see the adoption and the follow-on from other folks in this space. So I think, you know, obviously Apple has significant weight in clout and they can bring uh, a lot of inertia along with that. Uh, but, you know, can we get the Android ecosystem and, and Microsoft ecosystem and, you know, other folks in this space um, to play nicely with this will we'll be the longer term um, determinant of, of how successful this is. But yeah, anything that gets us uh, further away from, you know, uh, folks having to remember arcane passwords <laughs> and then remember where they set those passwords. <laughs> I think Microsoft will probably, you know, they'll, they'll be compatible with this, but they're going to have their own version. You know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to have their own version shortly. Yes. I, I guess like, yeah, can we get interop between all these different versions or are we just going to be creating, um, you know, three different sets of standards for this type of thing for, for, for users in those different ecosystems? Yes, but today we have, we have this. It's, it's sounding promising. We have delicious cookies. <laughs> and, and that's all we can do for today. You know, is just live for that. So. Yeah. We got to live in the moment and be happy with the cookies that, that, yes. that we're getting. Mm, yes. I, I think we all know, like, maybe later on what we're, we're going to do is we're going to run over to Crumble or Insomnia Cookies. I'm an Insomnia Cookies fan myself. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, you know, try to, you know, quench this thirst for, for what we have created here today. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Tim. All right, well, without further ado, all of those goodies sound delicious, but we need to head into our final act of the show, which is Two Truths and a Lie. And for those of you who are newer, we play this game every show uh, where we have our designated deceiver sharing three industry headlines, and two of them will be true, and one of them will be the lie. So um, now that we have Mr. Taylor Wilkes-Pierce back, um, he is going to be our designated liar for this particular show. So without further ado, Taylor, um, what have you got for us today? Well, let me look over the assortment of lies and truths that I have for you all here today. Okay, so we've got two truths and one lie. 
Wait, wait, first, which order first are you going to read first those up. in? Uh, ransomware developers. Uh, which order are you going to do those uh, Oh, wouldn't you like to know? Oh, yeah, that's it's right. uh, so all truths, Tim. It's all truths. Uh, better luck next time. <laughs> Oops, all berries. Because <laughs> uh, Daniel Schwabe tried that. He did. And it, I allowed it. He asked if it was okay. I said, sure, because I thought it would be funny, and it was. <laughs> This is not that. This is old school. We've got two truths mm. and one lie in here. Okay. Okay. Our first, our first one. Uh, ransomware developers get lazy with encryption to avoid detection. Number two. Phishing overtakes vulnerability exploits as the number one cause for initial access. And number three. Multiple ransomware data leak sites experience DDoS attacks facing intermittent outages and connectivity issues. This is one of those things where they, those are all true. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. He's <laughs> just, he's just trying to pull a Schwalbe here. Mm. No, no Schwalbe's here. No Schwalbs. <laughs> oh, then they're all false. <laughs> I, I want to say the second one is the lie. Cause I thought I read something that maybe Another type of attack surpassed phishing, but I need to feel confident in my choices. Tim, can you read the first uh, one again? Here we go. Ransomware developers get lazy with encryption to avoid detection. think that's the lie that one what sounds uh yeah i might be inclined to go with that one as the lie also because what sounds funny about that is it's not a matter of laziness if they're doing it to avoid detection it's a matter of well i guess you could still kind of put it that way but hmm, yeah i i i don't know something Something seems suspicious about that, but I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that one. Number one. Okay. Boy, he's keeping the suspense up here. I I know. <laughs> are 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 we both locked in? You guys want to hear? I'm I'm locked. I think okay. we're in agreement on this. The, the, you guys were actually you were, you were barking up the right tree. The the phishing overtakes vulnerability exploits is the number one cause for initial, initial access. The headline is actually other way other way around. Vuln exploits have overtaken phishing, uh, at least uh, according to what the Kaspersky team observed uh, no. in twenty twenty one. Developers getting lazy with encryption. That is true. They are turning to intermittent encryption, so just encrypting small bits of things um, to avoid detection. So. Uh, fly under the radar a little bit that way. And then, yeah, lots of DDoS attacks on the various data leak sites uh, over the last couple of weeks. I'm glad that that last one is true, but wow. Wow, I I uh, I think this is two weeks in a row that I haven't gotten any points in this game. I am uh, backsliding quickly. Oh, I'm sure you're still very far ahead of me. Well, you made I don't know, some ground Taylor, today. other people have been playing for you, and I think they've been doing pretty well. Ah, so. I love it. I love 
Like you've got people like Ian Campbell and uh, yeah, Daniel Schwabi playing for you. I think uh, see, those are people I trust. You got people yeah. shooting heavy hitters for me. Yeah, they yeah. <laughs> they saw that I needed the help. They're like, oh, not giving us a lot to work with. No, I'm just kidding. As if I have a leg to stand on, I'm coming in with uh, with Kelsey's track record, and I have to defend it while she is on vacation. So. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I think Taylor is back on the road. So, oh man, he is racking up those frequent flyer miles. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we're gonna find somebody good for you uh, for next week. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a little TBD for now. Um, but I'm sure, yeah, like you said, it's gonna be somebody great. Um, I'm excited for that. I will probably be back in more of a producer role myself, but um. And thanks for a great job hosting here, Callie. It's been really fun. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot coming from you, Tim. I appreciate it. I've had a lot of fun doing this, and I'm sure, you know, I'll be back. So so that's something to look forward to. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a great rest of your week. Yep, and just everyone should know that it's time to change the password over to, to fall 2022. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.